be here this morning. It's good to worship together. It's good that um, we can reflect upon God and his goodness and the things that God has provided for you and I. And communion is a, a, a wonderful aspect of putting our focus where it needs to be. As you see on our walls, we've got some uh, praise reports that we have placed on there from the previous Sunday, last Sunday. If you missed last Sunday, we were fighting back some of those things that uh, tend to get us down. Satan really likes to discourage us. One of the ways that we can really combat and, and fight the enemy is through pointing back praise. And last week we did that. And we're fighting those battles before they even come to the front door by just saying, to the enemy, who's really in charge by giving praise. And on the walls, uh, people wrote down um, things that, that God has done for them in their life. And I want to just read a, a couple of them. I can look out in the crowd and I can see, um, without having to read some of these, where God has worked a miracle. Dan Catlin, God's worked a miracle in your life. And um, it's amazing what God has done. Brian, God's worked a miracle in your life, 100%. God has provided healing for you, and that's an amazing story of, of God's provision for you. Here's some of the things that are written on the cards on the walls uh, that, that, um, that have been written. And it says, here's a few. And these are just a few. So I encourage you after the service, go read through them. Read about what God is doing. I've been struggling with mild liver failure for a little over a year. About a month ago, I asked God to take it over and show His will, uh, and ask Him to do His will. About two weeks ago, my... My test lab results came back normal, and I'm healing. God has given me the victory over divorce. He has made our home new, and, and a happy, we're a happy family together. He saved me from a life of drugs and alcohol, and reconnected me with the love of my life, who also loves God. I couldn't get a job until I prayed and put it into his hands, and he has me where he wants me now. A house, job promotion, pay raise, new car, healing in my heart from a divorce. God has lifted me from my greatest sadness to my greatest joy. Jesus heard my cry and saved my life. And in quote, you can do this. Delivered me from drugs, alcohol, and religion. He, the Lord, healed my body from cancer and also my daughter from drug addiction. God is on the move. And we need, it's good for us to hear these stories, isn't it? It encourages us, and we should be telling these stories. And it's healthy for us to hear this. Spiritually, you become boosted. Spiritually, there's a connection with you and that story, that testimony that, that resonates inside your soul. That you're not, you're not alone in the battles or in the victory. And it's a reminder that there's a victory after the battle and the struggle. We all face battles, we all face struggles, but if we keep our focus on the battle and the struggle, it's going to be much harder to see the victory. If we hear victories, we're reminded that there's victory on the other side of the battle. Every single one of these praise reports is a result of a battle that has been won. But there has to be a battle before it can be won. And you only win battles truly through the, through the victory of Jesus or through the power of God in our lives. Amen? It is good. To hear the praise reports. Praise report is also that our church is growing. Our, our second service, usually we're pulling out chairs as we did today. 
And I want to encourage you. This is just a, a side note encouragement. We are um, wanting to make room into this service. And so if you uh, invite you to uh, join our first service, our first service, there's room for us to grow. And in this service, we want to provide more opportunity for people to attend. This is the popular one. It's a little bit easier for people to come to. So I'm asking if you as a, as a church would would um, give up the second service and come to the first service. And it's enjoyable. It's a wonderful time. We love the first service. We want to kind of balance that out just a little bit so that we can provide more room for people as they're coming in. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that changes and challenges and convicts us. Holy Spirit, do your work inside of us. In Jesus' name we say together, amen. Reading from Joshua chapter 3 today. So if you want to turn there to Joshua chapter 3, put your finger there. We are in the series of going through the book of Joshua. It's going to take roughly right around six months. Every week we're taking a chapter and we're going to highlight a portion of of, uh, of the chapter. This week in Joshua chapter 3, we're going to read about how they have crossed the Jordan River. But before that, in Joshua chapter 1, we see that Moses, who had lead, been leading the Israelites for 40 years in the wilderness, they'd come out of slavery. Moses led them with the Ten Commandments and things like that that God had used uh, Moses for in leading the people. Now Moses had passed away. God's promise of the promised land is about to come to fruition with the leadership of Joshua. Joshua is here. He's standing on the Jordan River. He had sent two spies to go into the land of Canaan, especially over to Jericho. They found themselves hiding in the prostitute's home, Rahab's home. And God had used Rahab to uh, protect those spies. Now the spies have come back with a report that said that all of Jericho and the land of Canaan is in fear and trembling. And we are ready to come take that land. The Jordan River has not been crossed yet. And so they have this news. They are energized. They're excited. They're ready to go forward. There's about 300 or three and a half million Israelites ready to cross the Jordan. It is a big event to cross the Jordan River. That's where we're at. We're going to start with verse 14, go to 17. It's really just a highlight of this chapter. And there's so many things that you can dive into to find out what God is doing in this, this the historical document of what Joshua uh has done so in your connect groups, your your, your uh, discipleship groups. This is where we're going to be reading, discovering, discussing more in depth. This is a highlight. This is uh, just a start of what Joshua chapter three is. If you can't make it to a discipleship group, I encourage you to continue to read Joshua chapter three and find out what God is speaking to you through this. Let this be a spark and instigate uh, to it, to start your uh, discovery of what God is speaking to you directly in your studies in Joshua chapter three. You ready? Verse 14 says this. Here we go. So when the people broke, broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priest who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. While the water was flowing down to the Sea uh, of Arab, that is, the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed o over opposite of Jericho. The priest who carried the Ark of the Co Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground. And while all, the, all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completely or completed the crossing on dry ground. This is an amazing point of the of the story of for the Israelites 
this crossing over as a transition in their lives. I want to talk about the before principle. The before principle is what will happen before your next steps. There are steps in your life. There's transitions in your life. And how do you respond before that transition happens? There's an illustration that kind of helps guide our discussion today. The following letter was found in a tin can wired to the handle of an old pump that offered the only hope of drinking water on a very long and seldom used trail across the Aramagrosa Desert. And it says this. This pump is all right as of, in Ju- as of June 1932. I put a new sucker washer into it and it ought to last five years. But the washer dries out and the pump has got to be primed. Under the white rock, I buried a bottle of water out of the sun, cork end up. There's enough water in, in it to prime the pump, but not if you drink some of it first. Pour about one-fourth and let it soak to wet the leather. Then pour the rest medium fast and pump like crazy. You will get water. The well has never run dry. Have faith. And when you get all watered up, fill the bottle and put it back like you found it for the next feller. Signed, Desert Pete. P.S. Don't go drinking the water first. Prime the pump. And with it, you will get as much as you can hold. If you were dying of thirst, lonely by yourself, in a desert, and you came across this note with a pump, what would you do? Would you drink the limited amount of water or would you use that limited amount of water to prime the pump so that you could get as much water as you could ever want? For all you know, this letter is a hoax. The person who wrote it is a lunatic. He can't be trusted. You don't know what to do. But you do know that there's a possibility of something greater than what is already there standing in front of you. This story is a simple story that uh, illustrates the before principle. Before the victory, there's the battle. Before the celebration, there's always a a struggle. Before you reach a destination, there's always steps that are taken to reach that destination. Before the miracle, there's faith. Before faith, there's trust. Before trust, there's understanding. Before understanding, there's information. And over and over again, we will see the before principle played out, and especially in Scripture, and especially with Joshua, and in the crossing of the Jordan River. Before they crossed the Jordan, there was something that happened before. They were able to cross the Red Sea before They cross the Jordan. There is a before that built their faith and trust in God. Before God said, no, you can't enter the promised land. They chose to not believe in the provision and the promises of God. Before will determine what happens next or the transition in your life. The Israelites... Before, had marched through the Red Sea. Naaman had a wash seven times 
before God cured him of leprosy. Gideon had to reduce his army from 32,000 to 300 before God would deliver them from the Midianites. The five loaves and fishes were given up before Jesus multiplied them. Peter had to obey and row his boat out into deep water before they caught a boatload of fish. But this principle of before is seen in a greater perspective, more vibrant here in Joshua. As they're about to cross the Jordan River. They're perched on the banks of the Jordan River. They could see what's on the other side. They could see the land that God had promised them years and years and years ago. And now they are primed and positioned. They are ready to walk across. But it's going to require a new faith. It's going to require a new confidence. It's going to require a new trust in God and his provision. Before they're able to cross over, these are the requirements of saying, I'm going to move into a new direction with God. You can't move into a new direction with God without stepping forth into a new season of faith. And trust and confidence for something that's standing in your way. You may have to ask yourself. Before you get into the next phase of your life. Are you ready to trust God more than what you did yesterday? In the desert. You may have found comfort. And the daily provisions of God. But he has more than just the daily necessities. He has got an abundance waiting for you. But that is a requirement that says. I'm going to trust God for that. And I'm going to believe that there is more for me. On the other side. A greater capacity to see past. What is standing right in front of you. And clearly there's an obstacle. That is too big for you to tackle. On your own strength. There is an obstacle that that stands in our ways many, many, many times that says, I can't get past this. And so we would rather just stay on the other side of the Jordan, right where we're at in the desert, not seeing the full abundance of what God has for us. Because it's difficult to trust God for the impossible things that he has that is standing in front of you. And the biggest obstacle that was standing in front of the Israelites was the Jordan River. Now, here's the thing. The Jordan River is not impressive. It's not large. It's not deep. You can wade through it pretty easily. I've been there. I've stood in the Jordan River. And it's it's a lazy river. And the Israelites could have just passed on through without God's help. But they would never have the blessings spiritually that God had promised them. And this is all just, this is a spiritual picture that is being played out. And God would not have given them victory in that land if they moved without God first moving. So the Jordan River is an area that God said, you're not allowed to cross until I let you go. It was an obstacle. Now, God's timing is perfect, right? We understand that. So why on earth would God allow the timing, his perfect timing to be during the flood stages when the Jordan River is impossible to cross? If God's timing is perfect, shouldn't he allow it to be in the driest season, the driest part of the season where the Jordan is shallow and easy to cross only at thigh deep? When the river is slow, 
God's timing is perfect. And that means sometimes his timing and his perfect timing for you is that the greatest obstacle that will be in your life is pre-planned for you to walk through that through a greater trust, a greater confidence, and a greater faith on the other side of the obstacle. He will use an obstacle for your benefit. But there is something that is a before principle that happens in your life. There's a transition in your face. Are you going to trust God? Are you going to believe God or not? And the Israelites, are they going to trust God? Are they going to believe God or not? The Israelites, when they came out of the oppression with Pharaoh, they believed God at the very last moment. When, when Moses parted the Red Sea, or God parted the Red Sea, and they walked through on dry ground, now they are faced with the same thing. But because of their, of their disobedience and their disbelief and their complaining about God and the provision of God, God said, I'm going to raise up a new generation. And this generation that was faced with in front of the Jordan River, the old generation, the complaining generation, has basically been removed. Forty years, the old generation that, ha- that, was, that started out has died off. Now it's a new generation. These people have heard the stories of slavery. They have heard the stories from their mom and dad. They had heard the great miracles, but they haven't uh, seen the miracles of God for themselves. In essence, they are ready for this faith to be their own. And God wanted to use this as an opportunity for them to demonstrate a faith that they believed in and not just what their parents told them to believe in. How many of you know you can't stand the enemy attacks based on someone else's faith or experience, but you got to experience God's power on your own. And then in that, you will have a stronger confidence and faith. You've got to rely upon those decisions at that moment in your life, a transition that says, this comes to me and am I going to believe it or not? So Joshua and all the Israelites, three and a half million people are perched on the Jordan River at the flood stage. And there's a decision that happens before they cross over in this flood. where They begin to see what it really looks like in front of them. Let me show the video. This is literally the Jordan River. It's neither wide nor deep. But when it's flooding, it is impossible. God's timing put them right in that path. That's God's perfect timing what on earth is god doing how many of us could say that in our lives lord you've made it impossible it's impassable for me to get to where you want me to be it seems like it's gotten more difficult to see your promises there's too many obstacles and maybe god's just saying i know that and it's going to benefit you I am preparing you now for the other side. Because on the front side of this, when you're facing the biggest obstacle of your life, it is that. It's threatening, it's dangerous, and it's impossible. But when you get on the other side and it's facing your back, all it is is one giant praise report of how good good God is in your life. This is an opportunity, and you may be facing an opportunity in your life. And the question is... Are you going to have your faith put in action before God would give an answer? God was priming the pump for the Israelites. 
He was priming the pump. He had, he had shown them. He had revealed to them and, and their fathers. Everybody knew. Everybody knew where they came from. They knew why they were in, in the desert. They knew that they were once in captivity. Now they were at least free in the wilderness. But there was another area that God had prepared for them. They had primed the pump. One, God had already parted the waters before in their past. God has already done miracles in your past. Don't forget that. Use that as a stepping stone for the next place where God's going to part the waters for you. In your marriage, God's going to part for you the next struggle in your marriage. God's going to use what, he had, what you had conquered before and use that to build you an even stronger relationship with your spouse. Those things in your life that have been difficult and hard and God sought you, brought you through, He's going to provide for you again. He's priming the pump for victory, not for battles, but for victory. Battles are only the necessary obstacle that gets you more victory. There's always victory on the other side. But would they believe in the miracle in the past of God priming the pump to what God is about ready to do for them in their next step? Would they see God's power? Would they believe in it? And would they choose to trust Him before their feet hit the water's edge. Here's the thing. When they came to the water's edge, it was raging just like that. It's easy for us to say, God, I'm not going to move until I see that water parted. Then I will step into it. I'm gonna, I want to step onto dry ground. I want to step into your miracles. I want to step into your provision. I want that door to be open so wide that I know clearly what direction I said, that, that I need to go. How many of us are praying and we're praying and praying and we don't see that open door? And how many, how many of us have a prayer on our hearts that we just say, God, show me, show me, show me, show me. And we're waiting for God to move. But maybe, just maybe, he's waiting for you to take that step of faith and trust in him when the waters are still raging. See, that wa- those waters didn't part until they got their feet wet. They had to step into the current. They had to step into that impossible area. They had to step into that impassable spot of the river. They had to step into the river. And at that moment, at that moment where they stepped in and said, I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to, they didn't know what was going to happen. All they knew was that they're going forward. God said that he was going to provide. God said that we, we can cross over. And so we're going to do this. And we, you would think, and in their mind, God, when is this going to happen? They're taking a step. They're taking another step. What if it gets all the way up to their neck? When are they going to stop? They don't know when they're going to stop. They don't know when the provision is going to come. All they know is that they're choosing to trust God for the other side and that he's going to deliver them and he's going to stop that river, river and the promises are going to come even if they're in the middle of the water, even if they're getting swept downstream, they're going to trust God. Do we have that kind of faith? It's the before principle that happens. What are you going to do before the answer comes? Are you waiting for the answer to come before you move? Maybe God's just saying, I want you to trust me even when you don't see the miracle yet. Two, God was priming the pump, the pump in this. They were tired of living in the desert. This generation, basically all that they knew was just the meager provisions. It was every day that God had provided for them. They knew what God, what God has brought them from. And, and they're tired. They want more from God. How many of you want more from God? I mean, this is a desire to not just be satisfied. I believe there's, there, there's a hunger for more than 
than the manna that they were eating. They, they, they heard of the stories of the, of the huge grapes and the harvest that was just on the other side of the Jordan. They're hungry for that. Man, their taste buds are, are tired of the dry bread. They're wanting more. They didn't want to live in the desert any longer. They didn't want to make the same mistake that their parents made. They wanted to come full force with God and trust and belief. See, they were living in the consequences of their parents' sin at this point. Doubt and disbelief in God's provision. They're tired of living in the limitations. And three, they're wanting to experience God on their own. They don't want to just hear about it anymore. They want to experience it. They want to be real for them. They want to, they want to see for themselves what they've been told their whole lives about how God has provided for them, for their parents. They knew the way it came from. They knew the scars that were left behind on the backs from the whips of the Egyptians. They heard about the oppressiveness and what God has delivered them from, about the parting of the Red Sea. Now, they want to see God move in their lives. And they get the feeling that they're not just ready for the fight, but they're desiring it. They're ready. They're, they're wanting it. They're wanting. They're, they're, they're craving to move forward with God. They want to see what God's going to do in their lives. God's prime the pump. So the principle applies to us. Verse 14, it says, the priest carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. Listen, well, there's things that we have to do that, that God is expecting us to do. And we fail to do this a lot of the time is wait. And don't get ahead of God in our lives. We have to wait before moving ahead with God. We get into all kinds of trouble when we start moving outside of God. Start doing it on our own. We start figuring answers out by ourselves. We start doing it on our own strength. We just start going before God. And we leave God out of the equation. We leave faith out of the equation. We just say, okay, I know what to do. Especially guys, right? You do this, you do that, you do this. You can fix it. We can fix these problems in our lives. God says, no, I need you to wait for me. I will direct you. And I will provide for you. Forty years they waited. No one likes to wait. And I can't imagine waiting 40 years for an answer from God. I mean, let's face it, it's the it's it's the most difficult thing for us to do. Correct. We live in a culture that hates waiting. We have been programmed to to uh, get things in a hurry. We live in a horn honking express lane, Amazon Prime, Walmart delivery shopping people. This describes us. And you know what? Amazon Prime doesn't get our packages here soon enough. We want it earlier. And the best example of this is funny. Um, Joey, she loves ramen noodles, and she got for her birthday from her aunt an instant ramen noodle cooker. It helps you cook your ramen noodles faster. I mean, who has time to cook ramen noodles anyways? I just... In all of our hurriedness in the culture that we live in, and the pressure to have the instant now, I believe more so now because I think this is probably the biggest test for us is God saying, sometimes I'm going to have you wait. Or we see that as unanswered prayer. 
not God not providing for us, where we see that as that as as God not showing up. God is saying, I am building your faith in the waiting period. The hardest part is to just trust him, is it not? In the waiting and in his timing. We say his timing's perfect, but what happens when that timing is years from now? Are we expecting that now? You can, but what if it doesn't happen? Are you going to be disappointed? The hardest part of our faith and the most difficult aspect is the before. How are we going to handle the before? I mean, we live in a a world where it says, don't just stand there, do something. But God is saying, don't just do something. I want you to stand there. Just be still for a moment. Just be quiet. All you got to know is that I'm God. Let me move. You can move ahead if you want to, but it's not going to bring about the fruit and the harvest and the peace that you are already, you're trying to fix and find on your own. You got to wait for me. Waiting is God's way of seeing if we're going to trust him before we move forward. Waiting does the miracle of inside of trusting and knowing that God's in charge. When we're allowed, allowing ourselves to wait for God, we are allowing God to take the lead. When we get to those crossing moments of life, we're not just waiting around. We are actively pursuing God. Waiting is simply just the first fundamental of the before principle. There is a second. Before God would part the waters of the Jordan, the condition had to be met. In verse 15, 16, yet as soon as the priests carried the ark and reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the waters from upstream stopped and it piled up in a heap a great distance away. We have got to take a step of faith before the waters pile up. God is willing. He is ready. He is desiring to show you all the amazing things that he has all of his people, there's amazing things that God has in store for us in the future. But do we trust him when the time comes that we're going to get our feet wet? Are we going to trust him today for tomorrow? Are we willing to move forward when we're devastated by life? Forward in our faith with God. Forward in our trusting in him. Or are we going to give up? Are we willing to keep going towards God when things seem impossible and impassable. Faith, let's face it. I mean, as, as we're looking at it right here, it's being played out in front of our eyes, it's easy for us to read Joshua chapter 3. It's easiest to, easy for us to know that they're going to cross the, the, the Jordan River on dry ground because we've read it. They were living it and they didn't know the answers until they were already there. Until God had provided it. Faith is risky business. And sometimes your faith You're going to have to take steps of courage and be strong. Know that God's going to provide. Know that as you step into those areas of impossibility, you're going to experience times where you're going to not know the answer that God is going to provide. 
But in this relationship with God, we trust and we just move forward with God. And we know that God is going to provide in His timing and in the best timing. And compared to God's part, our part is minuscule, but necessary. And all we have to do is get our feet wet. Are you willing to get your feet wet into those areas that are impossible and impassable for your life? Emotionally, you're drained. You can't handle another blow. Are you willing to just say, God, I trust you in this area of my life? Are you willing to trust God in that area where financially just saying, God, I just don't know what I'm going to do. God, I'm just going to wait upon you. I'm going to trust you. Are you going to trust God in that area of your life where it just seems like there is no answer and you're just going to keep moving forward with God and you're going to you're not going to let doubt creep into your heart and say, where's God in my life? Are you going to to get your feet wet when you're saying, God? I don't know where the answer is going to come, but I'm not going to try and do this on my own any longer. I'm just trusting you. When you take a step of faith and asking for forgiveness of another person, you'll discover the release and the bondage from that person and inside yourself. But first, you're going to have to get your feet wet. When you ask, when you risk inviting someone to church, you're going to know the joy that you're being used of God to change someone's life for eternity. And the impact is huge. But first, you're going to have to get your feet wet. When you risk making a phone call to someone because of your concern for them, it's not going to come across as judging. It's going to come across as loving. But you have to get your feet wet first. When you risk stepping out in faith and doing something scary, like praying for a friend, You won't ever know what victory looks like in sharing in that victory and overcoming an obstacle with someone and battling and fighting. You'll never know unless you get your feet wet. God's priming the pump in your life for the next greatest adventure, the next greatest story to be written on that wall. Where those praise reports at that moment were detrimental, impossible. And there's no way of seeing any way out except God in his provision in saving marriages, addictions, healing from cancer, bringing wholeness, sound, delivering sadness into complete joy. The impossible things that God does is the best way that we that he shows us his love and provision for us. God's priming the pump. You may be faced with something difficult. And I'm going to just say you're probably faced with something difficult right now. And it might be a battle that's inside of you that nobody knows. It might be the battle of just having faith and, and trusting in God. You want to, but you just don't know how. And that river has just been so... The, the current is just so strong, you're not sure how to even trust God. You're there, you believe God, but you want it to mean more than words. You're ready for action, you're just not sure if you have what it takes to take that step of faith. Maybe you're in the waiting. That's where you need the courage. Maybe you're in. God has positioned you on the banks and you can see what's on the other side, but it just, you're not sure. 
what that provision looks like. God wants to do a supernatural work inside of your heart and in, in your life and through the extension of what your life is like and the tur- turmoil and the trouble that's around you. He wants to part that. He wants to stop that. And he wants to lead you through where, he's, where he has you next. If this is you, and you're just struggling, you just want you want to move forward with God in faith, but you need help in that. You just need help in that to take that step of faith. You just need that supernatural encouragement inside that you just don't have anymore, right? You just drain. You just don't know. You don't have the answers. You don't have to figure it out. You don't know. You don't, you don't even know what it looks like to take that step of faith with God right now. You, you kind of need that answer. If you need an answer from God, will you just raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Yeah. Yes, yep, yes, yes. Keep your hand up. I want, I want to look at you, and I want to just know you. Yes, yes, back here. Yes, yes, brother. Yes, sister. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yep, yes. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. I'm saying yes over you. It's an amen. It's a... So God's just doing something in your life. Whenever we raise our hand to surrender, right? Moses raises his hand with the staff. Things stop. The picture of Jesus is always in the Old Testament if we're willing to look for him. Where Jesus is at in Joshua chapter 3, I want to highlight this real quick as we close in prayer because it's important to the journey of knowing that that God is in all things. There's two Hebrew words that are crucial to the understanding of the crossing of the Jordan River. Two words. Basically, their names. Jordan, Joshua. Jordan or Yarden means descending, flowing river. Last part of the word of Jordan is Dan. And the Hebrew meaning of that is to judge or judgment. And so the river Jordan means a river that flows judgment. Joshua or Yeshua. We know that Jesus is the short name of Yeshua. Which means salvation. Yeshua signifies salvation to the people. Putting these two words together, we see that God is painting a beautiful picture. He's priming the pump, the before Jesus comes. And Joshua becomes that picture of salvation. The Jordan River poses the barrier from entering the promised land. How can you stop the judgment of God. You can't stop that raging river. It's impassable. It's impossible. Only God can do that. And God stopped the flow of the river Jordan at a place called Adam, which was 18 miles north of there. Typically, that place, 18 miles north, is where people would cross the Jordan. There's a natural sandbar there. That's the shallow part where people can cross. But down south by Jericho, 18 miles at the flood stage, it's impossible to pass. 
And God chose this spot to be the place where the Jordan River stops flowing. The place of Adam. And if the Jordan poses the flow of God's judgment, then Jordan stops flowing from the place of Adam. That's where God stops the the condemnation, the curse of sin flowing from their forefathers or the first Adam, where we have received the curse of sin, of death and destruction. God stopped that and it was only by God's power that he would stop the flow that would naturally run into the Dead Sea, which is 1,300 feet below sea level. That's why it's the Dead Sea. It's the saltiest place. There's no life there. There's only death. It's the lowest place on the earth where the Jordan River would flow. He stopped the condemnation. And before they would take place in crossing the Jordan, the Ark of the Covenant was placed on the shoulders and it was to move before at a distance of about three quarters of a mile in front of the Israelites. No one could go before the Ark of the Covenant. Inside the Ark of the Covenant was the Ten Commandments still written on tablets. It was the the book the books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. It was the writings of Moses that was in there. In front of them, they had to follow the word of God. And in that, they had to follow Yeshua. And in the word of God, and in Jesus, there was a stop, there was a flow of, of condemnation, of, uh, of destruction, And of curse. And as we follow across. There is something on the other side. And it's a clear path. To the place that God has already provided. There is an inheritance for you to already live. And it is a land of blessings. And he will fight for your battles. He has already given you this land. And he will cause you to walk on dry ground. And it is through his blood. Through Jesus, as we follow him in his word, that he provides us a clear way into the place that God has prepared for us. Into the inheritance of the promises of God for us to live. The picture of Jesus is clear for us to see. So in all the miracles... And all the things that God has done, the greatest miracle is that he's provided a way for you to live in freedom spiritually. Number one, we embrace that. God has provided. We follow Yeshua. We follow the word of God. And we follow him. We don't get before that. He will prepare a way every single time. He will stop. He will stop the condemnation and the destruction that stands in front of you. Let's pray. God, you see every single person here who raised their hand, who recognizes that there's a river flowing in front of them that is too difficult for them. And it is. It's too difficult. God, we can't do what you can do. And the miracles that you do, we can't do on our own. We're only going to find ourselves drowning. God, I pray that you will provide for every single person here today that they need the miracle in their lives, God, as they step into your provision. And in a dangerous area of the impossible, God, 
that you will provide a way for them to walk on dry ground. That's your provision and blessings. Jesus, we commit our lives to you and trust you and help us, God, in our faith where we're lacking, God, that you will just spark that into us and give us a fire that, that just cannot be put out. By your Holy Spirit, you lead our minds, you lead our thoughts, you lead our hearts. Protect us by the word of God. Put thanksgiving upon our lips. Jesus, we praise you for what you are doing in front of us. We follow after you and you alone. And God, we thank you for the victory that is going to come from the battle. We thank you for the strength, the confidence, and the perseverance that will happen through this. And the fruit that will come that is greater than what we can ever imagine. In Jesus' name, we accept what's in front of us. With your power, we are victorious. In Jesus' name, we said together, amen. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. Live in the victory of Jesus this week. You are dismissed.